So, entering the story, the scriptures somehow alive in our lives. It sounds good. How's it work? With our series beginning today, what we are hoping to experience together is this notion that the Bible text is not just some code book for who believes correctly or incorrectly, not some textbook so you can learn the right answers to determine whether you belong or don't belong. In fact, we are hoping to take seriously, really, this idea that it just might be a living word. That it just might be something alive and true and real and relevant and available in new revelation over and over and over again in our lives right here, right now. In short, that this text might mean something for our lives. And so we are hoping to explore in chronological order some of the major stories of the Bible text and to explore them as a living word, as a word that means something in us and for us right now not just something we vaguely remember from Sunday school some time ago. And so here we are in the story of creation, the very opening verses of God's story, our story, the story. How many of you are familiar with this story? How many of you use it as an integral way to guide your relationship with God and your path in the world. A little trickier, that part. And so the question is, how do we enter this story? Well, I have an answer. Guano. Guano, otherwise known as the poop of seabirds and seals. Bats, bat poop. Are you feeling sacred and holy? <laughs> you see, guano is something that comes into being through these beautiful creatures that God has created of sea and air. And the poop of those creatures drops down into the earth and interacts with limestone. And as it interacts with limestone, there is a carbon compound that is created called hydroxy. Hmm. I remembered the first part because it reminded me of the cookies. <laughs> Laptite from what happens when you eat too many cookies. <laughs> Hydroxylaptite 
is the name of the carbon compound that is created when guano interacts with a chemical reaction with limestone. And this thing, hydroxyleptite, is found to be 70% of what our bones are made of. So let's ponder this for a minute. 70% of what our bones are made of comes from, well, bat poop, among other things. How do we enter the story? Well, it seems the story has already entered us. Which is kind of funny, but it is wholly true. And for those of you who know, and that would be most of you better than I, but I did do a little preparation so I wouldn't lie to y'all intentionally. <laughs> the composition of the human body is quite analogous to the composition of the Earth's crust and elements. We are basically created of the same stuff as soil and water and the energy brought to earth through the light of the sun. We're made of the stuff of creation. And so this story here is not just some beautiful ritual telling of ah, some myth about what happened. It is an actual description of what your body and my body are made of and how that being made of stuff is also the stuff of the awesome creation of the universe. We are made of the same stuff. And that sense of awe that you may have touched on, watching some of those images, pondering these words, that sense of grandeur, it is hard to grasp almost because it's all around us. But we are breathing the air and drinking in the sunlight. We are experiencing the fullness of God's creation in every moment of our lives. And what does this mean for us? It means that we are formed of the same awesome, incredible, amazing stuff of God's universe. And this tells us some things that are really vital and nourishing for us spiritually. It tells us first some things about who our God is. Our God is so many things I won't pretend to describe as if I know the answer, but in this story there is at least some reflecting upon the fact that our God is provisional. God is creating as act upon act upon act of provision, providing space and time and air, and water, and land, and creatures, and abundance, and life itself. God is providing everything that makes up the stuff of our world. This is not accidental. This stuff has been provided. This moment that we're inhabiting right now 
was provided for ages upon ages ago, set into motion that we, you and me, might be formed exactly as we are, living the lives that we have right now. Our God is provisional, has provided for us. And in that us part is another thing about our God. Our God is relational. This isn't just a kind of, oh, God is, you know, connected. No, actually, in the act of creation, God came, and what does it say? Hovered over the void, the emptiness, the nothingness. Well, you can't really have relationship in nothingness. There's no thing to have a relationship with another thing. Take notes for those of you looking for relationship advice. That could be another, another topic. <laughs> We need to have a thingness here and a thingness there. That means we have to be distinguished from one another in order to be in relationship with each other. And so God hovered over everything that was all one stuff and drew out of it light and light and dark became distinct. Related, connected, part of one thing, but distinct from one another relational dynamics were brought into being at the beginning of creation and continued to unfold right as the sky and the oceans and the land and the waters of the earth and all the creatures all of a sudden relationship upon relationship is being born and interestingly born of the same stuff profoundly interconnected but uniquely expressed Our God is provisional and relational, and our God is intentional. This wasn't a half-assed deal. Did you notice? Those scriptures were very intentionally descriptive of the unfolding beauty and coming to be of the universe of which we are integrally apart. God is intentional, and that intention is just lifted up with such joy as we hear over and over, and God said it was good, and God said it was good, and God said it was very, very good. This was not accidental creation. Our God is intentional in bringing forth the life that is all about and within and ours. What does this mean? It means in an incredible, wonderful way that we are absolutely woven into the fabric of creation. We belong here. No matter what can happen between this ear and that ear, we belong here. We have belonged here from the very moment of creation as God had provided and drawn forth all that was to be so that we could come into being. We are here by design. We are not accidents. We are not incidents. We are not abominations. We are part of God's holy creation. That means a whole lot. It means also that we are already in relationship with the Creator. Yes. 
So many of us try and find a connection to God. I want to know God. I want to feel God's presence. This scripture allows us to realize God is part of the fabric of our being. The very breath of our lives is the breath of God. God is truly and literally as close as the breath we breathe. God is not just figuratively. God is actually within us. Actually. We belong. God is within us. And God created a design so that we would come to participate in all of this as God's self does. Did you notice that over and over in that opening scripture series, God was saying, yes, here are the creatures, now the creatures reproduce. Yes, here are the plants, now the plants reproduce. Everything having the seeds within it to bring forth more. God doesn't do the whole deal. God says, I'm going to put it into motion, now co-create with me. You belong here. You are of God and with God, and you have the power of God's creation already as part of the intention for your being. God brings us into being not merely so that we would do as God hopes we would do, but so that we can participate in the creative becoming of the universe. In fact, if this sounds kind of big, it is. And in fact, it's critical to this idea of self-will. We talk later about how we have self-will. God creates us with self-will so we could choose God or choose against God. Indeed, that self-will, it's, it's the heart and the unfolding of the ability to create. We are creative beings. Now, some of you will say, oh, oh, no, I'm not artistic. I'm not talking about artistic. Although most of you are a lot more than you think, by the way. Interior design is art. The way you dress yourselves is creative. How you speak, how you love, creativity shows itself artistry all over the place. So y'all are a bunch of artists, whether you think so or not. But the point being, we are drawn into participating in creation because we are deeply infused with the power of creation itself. That is part of the intention for God, right? And so we are co-creating this reality of God with the God in us and through us. What that means is we have some power and some freedom. We have promise, we have possibility, we have potential, and we were made that way. It's all part of the design. Every single one of you, I don't have to know you to know, you do have potential and promise and possibility. It's hardwired into your design, your DNA. It is the stuff of creation, and you are the stuff of creation. And so what does that mean for us? I was talking with a friend of mine who is a friend of ours. 
She recently has taken up artistic welding. I love that. Love that. Just wanted to have a little visual aid, one of the torch things. She said that she's always had visions inside of her of created sculptures with metal. And she has finally chosen to go ahead and learn how to do it. And she was describing to me how much joy she had in her first class. And she said, I was cutting out stuff. Everything came out looking like hearts. <laughs> she said it was beautiful. And the instructor at one point took one of those very first hearts and tossed it in the recycle bin. You know, it was one of the practice ones. She grabbed that heart right back out. She said, that doesn't go in there. Look how beautiful it is. I saw it. It's beautiful. It's covered with all the scratch marks of the torch when she was wobbly. It has holes in the places where she didn't know how to moderate the heat. It is rough on the edges where the cutting was still being learned. It is fabulous. Light shines through it, illumines different parts of it. She said, I love that heart. And I had such joy. And she said, and then I made some more stuff. He gave us some assignments. I made this fish. I don't even like fish, but I made the most beautiful fish. <laughs> and she told me about making this beautiful metal fish. And she said, Kristen, I drive around with the fish in the front seat next to me. She said, I love this fish. I look at it, I say, it's so beautiful. I pick it up and I just touch it. It's so beautiful, it's so fun, it's so amazing. Who could believe I'm actually doing this? And I said, that's so funny, you're talking to me about this because I'm preaching about creation this upcoming Sunday. And is it okay if I use this story? Because what I want to talk about is how lovingly and joyfully and perfectly God creates all of God's creation. I said, I want the people to understand God is driving around with you in God's front seat. <laughs> thinking, I love that fish. <laughs> I love it. Pulling us out of the trash heap, lifting us up to the light, saying, aren't those beautiful holes? Isn't that a fabulous pattern of scratches? I think this is the most beautiful heart ever. She started crying. Because like some of us, she comes from a background in her religious upbringing that did not describe God's relationship with her as God's creation in this way. She started crying. She said, this is the first time I've been able to experience a sense of how much God must really love me because I know how much joy I have when I pick up this metal fish, how real it is to me, how I am in relationship with that fish because of my discovery of who I am and who it became as we interacted in this act of creation. So if that's what happens with me, just a human being and a piece of metal, oh my goodness. God must love and cherish us so much. I said, exactly, exactly. 
And it goes all the way around. Not only are you cherished, but you are creators. Participating in the act of creation isn't just so God gets more bang for God's buck. Here, I'll go ahead and invest a little in you. Go on, do the rest. No, not at all. It's so that in the act of creativity, whatever that looks like for us, we are able to experientially enter into the reality of creation, our own, the world's, so that we might know more deeply who God is and who we are and what that means with great joy. These are the gifts. And the pattern that is given to us is the one I offer as we prepare to move into our week. I invite you to enter the story of creation by letting the story enter your life. Now, you may not be an artist, as we've already discussed, but you can look at this pattern that's been given to us by God and allow it to move you into a deeper alignment with creation itself of which you are a part. What did God do first? Hover over the vastness. I invite you to enter into a place of contemplation over a void, over a dark place, over a place of chaos in your life. And let yourself open to the possibility there and rest for a moment. And then just as God separated light from dark, I invite you to ask the light to lift itself up from the darkness before you, to begin to have illumination on this situation or issue or decision so that you can see what is light-bearing and what is not. And just as God then allowed the sky to be spacious and the oceans to be large, let yourself create spaciousness around what you discern. Breathe and let it sink in. Drink of it for a moment. And trust that as you do this pattern, you are connecting with the God who has created you in the pattern of creation itself. And let that bring you into discernment just as on the next day, God separated the mountains, the dry land from the waters. You can discern then more specific things out of this open place. What do you see before you? Now you have a map. How would you like to proceed? And over the next three days, God then lived into the space God prepared, brought life into it. So thus preparing our space around whatever we need, we can begin to live into it. How? In the same pattern. God lived into it first by bringing forth vegetation, meaning plants and seeds and abundant of nourishment, we ask ourselves, what is nourishing in this scenario? And God brought forth a multiplicity of creatures that move, flying, swimming, air and water. We can let ourselves move with the possibilities, be alive, not stagnant, not limited. We can consider what would it be like to be nourishing in this scenario and have some life-giving movement here. And then God did bring forth all kinds of creatures, diversity, all kinds 
including male and female, God created us. How can I be most able to be authentically just the kind of me I've been created to be? And with this, we can rest and allow the holy to move through the pattern that has been given to us of creation so that we too can be bearers of life and life-giving. It is a good and beautiful thing, and the story of creation is already in the very bones of our body, the breath we breathe, the pattern is ours, the joy and the belovedness, our birthright. This week, take a walk outside and know you belong there. Watch a sunrise or a sunset and let it feed your soul. Listen to music, write a poem, love a baby, pet an animal, water a plant. Do whatever it is that you joyfully do to connect you with the awesome creation of which you are a part. It's all good.